0: Hey everybody, Ryan here. Uh, Just before we get started with this week's episode, just two things wanted to make you aware of. Uh, First off, we had some audio technical difficulties throughout this episode. Uh, The entire episode is here, but um, there will be times where there's some echo and things like that, so we apologize uh, for that. Uh, This one was mostly my fault, Um, but we're trying some new things out with audio. We're we're finally settling on the best way to record it, and we're going to get it right pretty soon here, so thank you for bearing with us for that. The second thing, a little more fun, uh, during this episode, one of the hosts managed to come up with an idea that came to fruition not even 24 hours later. So when you listen to the episode and we get to that point, you will know most likely exactly what that was. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of the I'd Like a Refund podcast. My name, of course, is Cameron. We're in a super uh, special episode this week. Super sequel. Super sequel. Super. Blah, 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 blah. Sorry, I've had a migraine today. And so my head is kind of all over the place. The super sequel showdown that we've been doing these special episodes. Who's laughing? Who is that? Uh, Show
0: yourself uh, I just think it's really funny that we have it on recording You asking what it was called Literally 30 seconds before you struggled to say what this episode was called I just think that's hilarious Yeah, well Um, This is Joel speaking, by the way
1: Oh, hey Joel Your voice got a lot (laughs) girly
0: Yeah, well What are you going to do? I am a voice actor after all So. Oh,
1: wow, yeah
0: you got to cover all the bases to make some money. It's the only kind of work I can do right now is VO. So, but not for much longer. That's true. Not for much longer. Thank God.
1: How is your lake doing, by the way?
0: Uh it's okay. Yeah, you can see it in the background right now a little bit. It's waving, oh, so waving cute. back there. Um, He's doing
1: the little like you know how when you like see like a uh, movie and like a cute little girl is like yeah. reading a book and she's like. Waving her feet behind her head—that's exactly what Ryan is yep. doing right now. Yep, I'm very flexible. Look at the ponytails and everything.
0: I do, yeah. I'm very flexible like that. Um, very flexible. In an ideal world, we're recording this on Thursday the eighth. On an ideal, in an ideal world, tomorrow, Friday the ninth, I will have my cast taken off. In an wow. ideal world, and then, then the world becomes my oyster once again.
1: Well. It's gotta become someone's oyster.
0: Yeah, my, why not mine? And oysters are a- are aphrodisiacs, so watch out.
1: That's true. <laughs> you know who can't be having sex anymore is the queen.
0: <laughs> oh Wow. Well, that's not necessarily true.
1: Okay, all right. <laughs> that went way darker than needed to
0: go. Well, well, that wow. family's into some weird shit, so we can't rule that's anything true. out.
1: That's true. The tweets today have been.
0: They're on fire.
1: Did you see the? You see the Garfield tweet that one fucking No, I didn't see it that was, one. It was, uh, it was Garfield. You know from, uh, was it the Tale of Two Cities? Tale of Two
0: Kitties. They kitties, call it kitties, yeah. Tale of Two and Kitties. It shows no kitties, Tamron. Kitties. Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Um, it shows him like leaning on uh, Big Ben or.
0: The Leaning of Tower Max. of Pisa. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it goes. There's a new king in town. <laughs>
0: And oh they posted my God! Today. That's yeah. so funny. <laughs> <Garfield>.
1: <laughs> and then poor Paddington was like, "We'll miss you." And <laughs> queen Garfield's like, <laughs> "Loser!" And <laughs> like, "My queen."
0: That's why I mean that's the difference between a uh, a British CGI animal and a uh, an American CGI animal. Yeah.
1: So, um, great to have you, Ryan. Thank you so much for coming. To the Episode today. Thanks. Uh, typically, we have another person uh, who does this show with us. Uh, Joel, are you out there? No, I don't
0: know. Like you said, like typically it's it's like typically we have another person doing this, and here he is.
1: You know, I just realized I don't know where I put my one hundred fifty dollar gift card.
0: From 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 the Circle of K.
1: The Circle K, that's right. Yeah. That's
0: right. Congratulations to both of you on t- you. two Thank tanks, you. two tanks of Joel, gas you paid wanna... for. <laughs>
1: Actually, I can probably get three tanks
0: of gas. Well, out. you don't drive. You, you don't drive, so this is gonna last you like six months.
1: That's true. That's true. Although the person I'm dating does not like driving. Well, no, that's. I guess what's we. I, I drive now. Oh, I have to drive okay.
0: Now. You drive now.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I don't like it.
0: No, it's okay. You'll learn to love it.
2: Uh, Joel, will you please talk? Look, Cameron had to pick up Eric the other day. And oh. I think it was like the worst day of his life.
0: Cameron <laughs> hates driving and Eric I, hates driving. They neither of them like to drive anywhere. And right? you know it's what like sucks it's always love, us. Me too. I love driving. Yeah.
2: But the thing is and I'm going to say this Cameron and don't take this the wrong way. But Cameron's always like, "Hey, can you give me a ride over here?" Mm-hmm. And 90% of the time wherever we're going, I have to like pass it to get to Cameron. And then yeah. go back to wherever we're going, yeah.
0: Yeah, I've run into that with him as well, but I don't mind, it's, uh, it's easy, yeah.
2: Fine. If I don't pick him up, that means he's not there, and
1: it
0: means, means he doesn't come, yeah. My heart, like so I
1: drove to Pasadena the other day, which I actually have never driven to Pasadena before, so that explains why he almost got in the accident. You almost got into an I accident, get, no, he's lying. No, he's he making it. Oh, okay, I was totally fine. My, my driving was perfectly safe. Ask Eric.
2: Um, I would like to say since I wasn't uh, introduced uh, in time for this conversation. <laughs> yeah Twitter was going off today it was yeah wild. it's popping it was, off. <laughs> just all the social media was just insane. It's a big day uh, for Twitter. Did you guys see so? This was tweeted I guess this morning before she died mm-hmm. and then immediately deleted because it was announced that she was like you know under watch or whatever. But uh, Canada's drag race <laughs> posted a tweet and it was a picture of a crown and it said, Tonight's the big finale. The crown is up for grabs. Oh There's my God! And then, it, and then it was like announced that the queen was under They immediately deleted it. There's a bunch oh of screenshots God, out there. I just
0: I saw one that made me laugh so much that it was like the audacity of this woman to pass away on this this the day of Disney Plus. Yeah, I saw that. Answer, right? <laughs> I think I saw it
1: because it said you liked
0: it. Yep, it was We're so out. funny. I just imagine Bob Chapek just storming around in his office just fucking upset that like this big day for disney plus and it's like oh the queen died so you know that's uh that's kind of over and he's just like i put all that blue shit in the theme parks like now what am i supposed to do Um, all the
2: ones that were killing me today were the ones about football there's one that was like the queen died and uh like the Brits have to watch American I know, football yeah. with their hands or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's it's,
0: it's so so rude and, and of the NFL. Again or something
2: like that. It's so rude of the um, NFL that, to
0: play that game that they stole the name of from Europe. <laughs> it's so funny. Was,
2: uh, another one I saw NFL memes posted a, a picture that was like uh, American TV networks at 5:20 p.m. tonight or whatever and it was like a, a news anchor going and it's with a heavy heart that we announced the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, and then it immediately cut. And then Blake actually second episode in a row he's been mentioned. I think um, he sent me a video of like it, pretty much the that like legitimately happened. Like it was like they were talking about the queen, yeah. And then it cut to Thursday night football is back, and it showed a bunch of like fans like yelling or whatever. Um, and then the last one I want to talk about which is so funny was. Uh, <laughs> I think this was also maybe this is sent to me on Twitter. I remember who, but it said reports or, or sources are telling me the Packers will proceed with practice. Um, how did how was it worded? Uh, it was something basically like the Packers are still going to have their practice uh, regardless of the Queen's passing. And someone said she was 96 years old. Why was she playing QB? Oh my God!
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh no! So, that's funny uh, all, all right, rip, rip it's a terrible to, game though ripped the OG
1: the first the first half was really good and the second half was but I'll tell you what I am not too happy because in our work league I all of the quarterbacks I was gonna draft always got drafted like right before I drafted and so I kept bumping down my QB pick because I'm like okay I'm not going you know like third round I was gonna get Josh Allen Josh Allen went a one pick before mine. I was like, damn, okay, well, I'm not going to, you know, spend, you know, a, a draft pick, a third-round pick on a QB. I'll go next round, and I'll grab, you know, Mahomes. Then Mahomes got picked up Then next round. I'm like, okay, well, and it kept going down down and down. It, it, you know, in fantasy football drafts, you get to that breaking point where everyone just goes all in on a certain position, right? Like, if you're not the first person to get the defense, like – after that yeah you know after the first defense goes the second defense goes yeah. it's like a it's you know, like they're just
0: waiting for somebody or... to break the seal.
1: Yeah exactly. Um that's what happened with these QBs and I end up having to pick up Matthew Stafford and Jordan Fields. And I am I I like you my mean team otherwise Justin Fields. Justin Fields sorry. Yeah Justin Fields no, his brother knows no, it's, it's um, just
0: getting very confused.
1: <laughs> so I so I was like ah Matthew Stafford, fine. Of course, you know Matthew Stafford threw three interceptions today. Um, So yeah, I when
2: when you texted us right before this, you said "yo." I immediately thought, I was like, he's gonna be like, I have sixty three points in our fantasy. Oh my god, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. I I mean, I do, but that's because of it's because I have Josh Allen and Cooper Cup when they had good weeks. Like, (laughs) you know, they're not gonna hit that every single week. I hope they they do. They might. Um, I mean that and like that's the thing that's the thing about fantasy is like you just have to find those those season winners really well like because certain players I mean those
0: are those are like your second and third round picks so so I like it's not I, I know I think the point you're making is accurate but I think it's more along the lines of your late round picks and how you play the waiver wire would be the definition of like those season winners I would say so you would hope most people, yeah, most mean, people's first, second, and third round picks are going to be solid, except for the guys that get hurt.
1: I have a, I mean, my fancy, my my philosophy fee about fancy football is a little bit different than other people's philosophy, just in like how I draft or whatever, um, because I don't like running backs at all.
0: I also um, don't like the running backs, but you, you kind of have to have them, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Um. So I typically will go, will aim for wide receivers um but this year i figured my number one priority was just getting cup on all of my teams and i got them on two of two of my three teams and both of the, both of the teams that i draft i got them so i know this is completely off of subject and i'm rambling on about football but i love football season i'm so happy it's
0: back i mean it was back last weekend with college football but i get what you're saying
1: that's not that's, that's, not, real football, that's not real football that's not real football i
0: like college I, football
2: I'll watch the, the college football championship, and even then, that that sucks now too because of the freaking playoff system and
0: whatnot. Well, they're changing it now. It's gonna be like twelve teams or whatever. So. Oh, cool! Even yeah. worse. <laughs> oh, good joy! More college football. <laughs> um,
1: I I pro football is so fun to watch. NFL Red Zone is the best thing in the world.
0: Red Zone is really cool. If I had to stay in all day and watch uh, NFL football on Sunday, I would watch Red Zone. Even if my oh, team, yeah. even if my team was playing, I'd probably watch Red Zone because my team's not very yeah, good. See so,
1: hey, what's your team again?
0: Go ahead. Yeah, it's not the Jets. No, it's the New York Football Giants.
1: Oh my god.
0: Yeah, it's not fun over here.
1: Jeez, that is rough.
0: Yeah, they're tied for like the worst. They're
1: called one. the New York Football
0: Jets. Oh, no, the New York Football Giants.
2: No, you you, you said Giants.
0: Yeah, the Giants. Yeah.
2: No, you're a Jets fan. I'm not
0: a Jets fan. I'm leave me alone. I am not a Jets fan. Don't do not lump me in with the people that have to per- the, the people that have to pretend that Joe Flacco. Uh, it's uh, it's Daniel Danny Dan, uh, Danny Dimes Jones is the quarterback. The BYU dude? No, he played a Duke.
1: <laughs> the BYU dude? Wait, I thought
0: he played at D- BYU. Nope, he was a Duke. You know, re- yeah. renowned football program Duke. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not, ha- I'm not, looking f- out for basketball. it's not going to be a great, not going to be a great season for me. You guys will have fun with your teams, but I will be, I will be Dude, not I, feeling well. See,
1: this is the thing I was talking about with my dad with the Broncos. No one has any clue how they're going to be this year because their starting offense has not taken a single snap together all preseason. It's true. The first time we see them is going to be in the game. So like, obviously, you know, as a, as a fan of a team, you always hope the best. You know, I, I feel like everyone, or at least the people who are not idiots, always kind of in the back of the mind. They're like, okay, well, there's a chance that we're not good. But you ho- they hope for the best. Obviously, I'm hoping for the best. I literally have no clue how this team is going to be this year because the Broncos in the past few years have just been awful because they don't have a QB. And I know everyone says Russell William- Wilson's an overrated quarterback. And maybe if we're talking in terms of just pure ability, maybe so. The thing is, he's a leader, and the Broncos haven't had that in a very long
2: time. That, so that's the bigger thing for me. I I don't care for. I think Russell Wilson's a fine like outside of the game. Is
0: he in, is um, he inside the top ten? QBs in the NFL still. Right now, I, I mean, yeah, right we haven't now.
1: Seen him? Be, it's been a while since we've seen him play. Well, just because he was injured last year, mm-hmm. and like it's one of those things where it's impossible to, I mean, he might come out and play out of his mind and he might come out and be awful. And like, that's the thing. I don't know. It's impossible to rate him right
0: now. I'd say he, I'd say going into the season, if you did like a preseason ranking of the quarterbacks, I'd say he's I'd in the say top he 10. He makes it in like, he's like eight, eight, nine, eight, nine ten. 10 Yeah. Eight, nine, 10 territory for sure. Um, he's better than drew Locke, So you yeah. have that going for you.
1: not starting. Couldn't
0: even beat out Geno Smith. Yeah. Uh, that's absolutely brutal.
1: What were you going to say, Joel?
2: No, I, I agree with you. Like, like I said, I, I don't care for Russell Wilson as a football player, um, not taking anything away from his talents. He's clearly a, a decent quarterback, and he, I think with the team he had in Seattle for the longest time, that's what made him better. But you can't deny his leadership, and I think the Broncos need that. And I I think that'll be a really good change.
0: I think the Broncos are going to be very good. I also think they're going to finish third in the division, but also probably make the playoffs. So, well, I mean, that's
1: that division isn't that division.
0: the, that the, division, their division, the division's loaded. So it's so good.
1: They are so screwed. Yeah, of- that,
0: that all four of those teams are good. All of them.
1: Yeah, you know they have uh, out of the top five AQ quarterbacks in the league, three of them are ASC West.
0: Top five. Wait, top five quarterbacks in the whole league? Is that what you said?
2: Paid quarterbacks. So like salary. Oh, paid. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, S- yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. There's like Derek Carr's at the top.
0: Yeah, he makes so much money.
2: Yeah, Derek Carr the is the most team. talented quarterback mm-hmm. in
0: the NFL. Absolutely.
1: And like Herbert's gonna be up there once he gets off his God, rookie contract. He, Herbert's so good.
0: Yeah. He is so much fun to watch. That I team's think. gonna be awesome, the Chargers.
1: I and you know, like it's the, like at least that's the thing about the AFC West is like, at least we can always like, you can always look forward to good games, like you know you get these divisions that have like the Jaguars and you know the Colts and you know
2: and uh, the Colts,
1: you know and <laughs> they're just so you know they sucked to watch. You don't get that in the AFC West. But we were off topic. I'm so sorry. We've never gone Super on top. Si- we never mi- went si- on topic. Yeah,
2: we're <laughs> like Super Bowl showdown. Nice. <laughs> am, am I? Am I right, sports guys? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba- I
0: right?
2: <sniffs>
1: so, you guys so can we, is it cool if we get on topic now? No. It,
2: well, it's your episode, so do whatever okay. you want. You can so, you could call this super serious showdown and never bring that up. Just to clarify
0: something before we start, I did make a note before the episode started. They did have something that was a little off topic I wanted to talk about.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, go
0: for it. Okay, it's okay to do it now? Cool. Yeah, do it now. Um, it obviously, you guys know that the Venice Film Festival is currently going on. Um, yes, it is. there is a lot of a lot of talk about a certain film that we are not going to talk about right now. That is Wild. not yeah, that is not what I want to Well that movie, I mean, our our guy, Brendan Fraser, like, give him the Oscar. We haven't seen it, but give him the Oscar.
2: We were talking about that the other day at King's Row. Well I wasn't there. No, I know. I'm just I think saying he's like, talking about the
1: movie Please Don't Fret, Honey.
0: No, I'm not even talking about I don't even want to talk about that. Um, <laughs> but it's like it's all gonna Blonde. be an amalgamation together. Yes yeah, so I want to talk about Blonde specifically today because they screened Blonde for the world premiere at Venice. 11-minute standing ovation. 14. Is it 14? 14. 14. Oh, is it 14? Okay, it was first 11, then they kept... Oh, then I, they think, st-
2: I hope you're bringing up a topic that I wanted to talk about. Okay, well... I wasn't going to bring it up
0: today. It, all right, well, I mean, I, I figured it would be a good time to talk about it since it was very topical for the Venice Festival. Um, we keep seeing with all these movies that are premiering, oh, a 5-minute standing ovation. Oh, an 8-minute standing ovation. Oh, a 14-minute standing ovation. That seems very excessive. I can't imagine that this movie is good enough for so, people in the theater to stand up and clap for 14 straight minutes.
1: So I kind of have a theory about this. Okay,
0: I want to hear this, yes. Yeah,
1: please and, Cameron, because I, like, I, so obviously it's ridiculous. I can't imagine clapping for 15 minutes. I think my hands would fall off. Absolutely. Um, but I have a theory, because the first night, White Noise premiered. White Noise is the new movie, the new uh, Noah Baumbach film Mm -hmm. with Adam Driver and Greta Gerwig, and that movie got like a, um, I think got like a three-minute standing ovation. It gets longer with every movie. It gets longer. I I really think that's the case because they have to like like they like they have to show like a ramping like the fact that like even Don't Worry Darling, um, which critics are you know not thinking is very good and I, I you know i'm still very much looking forward to it i can't wait to see that movie in theaters mm-hmm. even that got a standing ovation and we and you know the the reviews for that are probably the worst reviews i've seen come out of venice yeah uh, this year and the the standing ovation literally would have gone longer but florence pugh left and so everyone else had to follow her out just to, to not make a scene which is just a whole funny thing in general um but um so i literally do think that it's just them because i don't know if you guys have paid attention to the lengths of these it seems like they have gotten longer and longer and longer as the festival goes on yep and it's not like the movies it's not like the movies have gotten necessarily better um i mean again you know we mentioned don't worry darling Bones and All was one of the first movies to play at the festival, and um, I was reading in the Italian press, it was the highest rated movie at Venice. Okay, wow. And I think it got something like a nine-minute standing ovation. Um, Whereas Blonde, I don't know if you guys have seen the reviews, they're all over the map. They're all over the map. And as to be expected with the subject matter, um but 14 minutes is a very long time so that's just my theory
2: joel i know you said you had something you wanted to talk yeah, it's about it's literally so funny that you brought this up because i was gonna talk to you guys about this off air and now we're talking about it here so um i i've i've never been to venice i've never been to tiff i've never been to south or southwest any of these things right none of the none of the major uh, ones no what i i'm fine with Hollywood patting themselves on the back. I've never had an issue with it. You know, people always get mad. Oh, "Oh, the Academy Awards always going to go to the movie. That's about making the movies. Like, I don't care about that stuff. Yeah. Half the time, that's the movie I like anyway. Right. I agree. Yeah. But every time we go to these festivals, you see these things. Oh, such and such movie got a 18 minute standing ovation. And you see like the clips and it's literally just the people clapping and the cast awkwardly standing. That's it. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh my God. How could you do? How? Why, yeah, why do we have to go through this? And kind of like you were saying, Cameron, it literally feels like it's like a, oh, well, this is screening late. It's like, um, like performances, right? Where like in a performance, typically the later performance is like the main event, right? That's what you want to see. So it's like, oh, as it goes along, they're going to gradually get longer and longer and longer because this is like the main event, you know, we've all been waiting for. And I don't know, like, I love to hear that these movies are doing well and people like them and whatnot. But my God, the standing ovation thing, every festival is oh. one of my least. It is just beyond annoying. And it just, to me, what I dislike about it too is it just feels disingenuous. Like, yeah, that's how I these feel. people don't like this movie enough that if they were by themselves, no. that they would stand and, and be like, oh, I got to clap for this for 14 minutes. No one's doing that on their own merit. It's everyone else, you know, mob mentality. The fact that they're around 200 other people that are also clapping or whatever, they're like, oh, I got to keep going. You know, like it just seems so fake to me. And it just, I don't see their need for
1: it. I don't know if you guys remember this about Venice, but in 2019, there was a movie that played called Joker. Yeah. Joker premiered at Venice. Never heard of it. Joker got a eight minute standing ovation. Not only did it get an eight minute standing ovation, it won the entire film festival. It did, yeah. It won. It got the best movie at the film festival.
0: That's wild. like Which is completely
1: wild. I mean... Yeah. And like I, like I, you guys all know my my feelings on that. If
0: you don't, we have an episode about it.
1: But like, I like in like in just in your opinion, knowing like the prestige of the movies that go to these festivals, I it just boggles my mind that that's the movie that
2: they're like, oh yeah, this is the best. One. Now I will say this, and and you know we've we've talked about the Joker. If you don't know our thoughts on it, we do have an episode about it. Um. I probably liked it the most out of all of us, but even after my second viewing, I'm like, Yeah, I mean this isn't, you know, the best movie ever. Right. But that said, I always hate when, you know, movies go into these festivals and people are like, Oh, this is gonna be the one that wins because it's directed by so and so, you know, pretentious director that everything they touch is gold and has such and such Young starlight actress. We got we got a couple of, we got a couple
0: of those in this Venice <laughs> yeah. in this Venice so-and-so Film Festival so lineup.
2: Actor, you know, and it's like yeah, just because it has the pieces doesn't mean it has to win. So in situations like that where you have Joker winning, it's almost refreshing because it's like oh like
0: I get it, that point. Cool, yeah, like
2: the, the yeah you know like I hate to use the word pretentious, but that's how everyone feels. But it's like oh the pretentious movie didn't win, you know. It's like something that's a little bit more mainstream won granted now that puts a ton of pressure on joker i feel as if if joker didn't come in with all of this expectation i think people would have probably liked it more yeah it's not going to change the movie it's we're still seeing the same movie but it's not being lauded as this masterpiece of a film you know what i mean if it just comes like oh yeah joker's pretty fun and then it's what it is it's like hey that was pretty good you know but when you have countless people comparing it to Scorsese and saying it's one of the greatest films of all time, then yeah, you're going to kind of rip into it a little bit more because it's like, no, it doesn't deserve this praise. you know.
0: Mm. Don't put it on a um, pedestal it hasn't earned yet.
2: Right. But like I said, I mean, it, it's always refreshing when you see these festivals and it's like, the thing you're not expecting to kind of win or be the standout is the one that ends up being the standout. You know, like if you look at a movie like Coda, you know, when mm. you see Coda winning festivals and stuff. It's like, that's refreshing because it's like, it's a story that's, you're not expecting to be told, you know, a little yeah. kind of underrepresentation. And it's also not loaded with a cast of people that oh, it's like, Oh, right. Guys,
0: well, code it. is a, code is a movie that if it doesn't just kill it on the festival rounds, we don't know about it.
2: Yeah, no, exactly.
0: Like some of these movies, like don't even need to play at the festivals because we already know about them. Like mm-hmm. we know about the whale. We know about blonde. We know about don't worry, darling, but like, oh, yeah, for a lot of them, it's yeah. but there's out. other, but there's other ones that go on the radar of the general populace or maybe more so the the diehard film watchers people like the three of us who watch the oscars every year for some godforsaken reason um it's good for us to hear about these other films that are showcasing out. that's why i like to keep tabs on like what's going on at like the second tier festivals because those big these big time movies don't play at those like it's they do south by southwest tiff uh con uh they like those ones, it's all the heavy hitters get talked about. But at these, uh, I looked forward to seeing what's at these other ones. Now, I have a little pie in the sky theory about this when we start wrapping it up. Do you think that the press through this embellishes the amount of time that they're actually standing and applauding for?
2: I don't think so, simply because of the fact that I feel like at this point, after all these years of all this, someone would have come out and be like, oh no, they don't stand for that long. No it's, one,
0: yeah, no one ever says anything. You know,
2: I, if, I really, it's like, like a
0: meme at this point.
2: I do think I do think it is
1: like this, like touch of pretentiousness, and like I don't know. I just think it's like because ve- like you I think I Venice doing? is known Sorry. for. I think Venice is the festival that's known for their standing ovations. Like I know Cannes mm-hmm. does some standing ovations too, but I think Venice is the one that's like really known for it. Yeah, yeah, and like sure. their calling cards and so that, like it's the thing where they're like okay well if we don't do this then you know well um, it,
2: it feels like it's it it it's essentially their rating system right mm-hmm. you know they're not they're not telling you oh we you know this movie got six stars at at Venice you know it's like no this movie got a an 8 minute standing ovation um, by the end of the festival the, the top standing ovation was 26 minutes so it's like oh if it got 8 it's, minutes and that's where this is where it stands. someone should at. make that website but like the thing is, is that like it's that that's not even it's well, not even so accurate. You know. What I was going to say is I would even, granted, I want this for every festival, but I would much rather, like, they have, like, an electronic pole or something outside, and as the audiences are leaving, they just tap, oh, this is what I give this. Some song. of them do yeah. that.
0: Some I of the lesser mean, I ones do that.
2: I'd it be like, oh, this movie, you know, I got an 8.5 or- audience rating at, you know, can or TIFF or whatever, you know? But telling me that it got a 15 minute standing ovation like i don't care it
0: doesn't mean anything to me (laughs)
2: you know
0: it's like oh the people that make the people that make movies showed appreciation to the people that were in the movie that they just watched what a surprise that's crazy
2: yeah i don't know the the standing ovation It just drives me insane it's like really annoying to me
0: i just thought it was a very interesting topic um especially thank you one last thing on this um what is the movie that you've seen in your entire life that you would be willing to give a standing ovation for, and how long would you be willing to do it for?
2: Uh, oh, I, would, I mean, I'd stand up for Jurassic Park until my legs fall off. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd like, stand up for La La Land. Theater experience, I would stand for Interstellar and probably La La Land. Yeah, actually, yeah. and, and yeah. her. Yeah.
0: It's really, That's awesome. a good one.
2: any of the movies that are in my top five that I was able to yeah, see we... like in theater? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, you would um, you would give
0: a standing ovation to them all? Oh yeah. And how long would you do it for though?
2: Her, we did.
0: Yeah, you did. You told me that. Yeah. How um, long did that last though?
2: It was just a handful of minutes.
0: Yeah, it's not long, like two minutes. Um, what about you, Cameron?
1: Oh yeah, I got a question, uh, for you guys though. My in, my
0: answer would be Endgame. I would stand up and clap for Endgame.
1: Okay, so all of our number ones. No, that's not my um, number
0: one film.
2: I thought it was a. It's not
0: movie. even in my top. It's not even in my top five.
2: It's, not, it's know, not even my time. T- I said, I said Endgame. I was saying all time. Oh, not, you like said and
0: Yeah, I said, I said Endgame only. Endgame over Infinity War for this specific thing just because it is the culmination of uh, everything. That's why I would do it. Is
1: there a movie from... And let's do Venice specifically uh, that you know screened at Venice that you're very much looking forward to this year.
2: The Whale, dude. I, I, not just because of Brendan Fraser. Well, okay. I'd say 80% of it is because of Brendan Fraser. I've heard the movies like So So or whatever, but like, not just me being like Mimi. And like, I, I genuinely love this guy. Me we grew too. Up with his movies. You know, like, he yeah. was like a star yeah. of our time. He,
0: was, the, he and, was one of the stars of yeah, he was, of yeah, the he 90s was, and early 2000s. that He was yeah. top tier. And so,
2: for him to be making this comeback and for it to be getting recognized, like, not just like, oh, like, you know, he was in Doom Patrol. Like, yeah, cool. Like, no, he's like, He's getting serious roles that are already getting Oscar buzz. It's like it's really exciting. Yes. Um, so I, the whales probably. I mean, obviously, there's Don't Worry, Darling, you
0: No know, Bones, and all. And all those I I I don't, don't think I'm even. I I'm go- I'm not even excited for Don't Worry, Darling anymore. Uh, I want. I I, am, I, I want. I want to see it, but I'm not excited about it. Like I'm not like. <laughs> I'm not like oh, running to the theater on the Thursday night to go see Don't Worry, Darling. I'm just not. I'm just not into it at this point.
1: See, I've read reviews from Don't Worry Darling that pretty much like make it so that I'm just like, okay, I'm what I was looking forward to seeing sounds like it's there and sounds like it's going to be great and it's just the parts that I was already expecting not to be great that aren't great. And it just seems like that's overwhelmingly how it is for that movie and that's fine for me. I want to see like the thing that got me about that movie the trailer it was the visuals. The visuals were absolutely incredible. It's true. And all the review all the reviews that I read, even the reviews that said it's not good, say that Olivia Wilde did an excellent job directing it, which is what it it's looked like cute. from <laughs> is what it looked like from the trailers. So um I'm going that's what I'm going for and so I'm still very excited to see it. Well and there are people who liked it. So I'm you know I'm
0: There's people like, that like every movie. It could be great. I'm just not excited for it. It's all this all this drama about it just it hasn't made me more interested in going to see the yeah. film. I got you. But I'm sure it could be fantastic. I hope it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And with that, folks, we are a half hour in and have you even talked about what we're doing today. So today is the Super Sequel Showdown. Nice. And essentially what Nailed we're doing, it. and I have a feeling that mine's probably <laughs> going to be the weakest.
0: Um, I, I ha- what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, you might it might we all might have weak ones
1: <laughs> um we are going through and we each chose a movie that we believed or that we wanted to see a sequel for and the sequel just doesn't exist for one reason or another we know how hard movies are to get made you know sometimes a sequel doesn't exist because the creatives aren't in it or the first one didn't make enough money or they're trying to make a second one it's just in development hell and, You know, all these different reasons. And, you know, being part of the I'd Like a Refund podcast, uh, the nice thing about us and when we talk about things is that um, you can talk about things for free. And there are no creative executives who say, you know what, who cares that you like that movie? We're not going to make it. We can speak it into existence for ourselves and make a whole episode out of it. No matter how short or long it may be, that's important. Um, so, is everyone ready? Yeah.
0: I'd like is to. I'd ready? like to make a request, please. Yes. I would like to go last.
2: Okay. Well, it's funny because I was almost going to tell you. Uh, just have me go last, though. I. Just, I.
0: Uh, I, I have you. a specific reason. Yeah. yeah so, I, if that's okay, I would like to go last.
1: Okay. Well, I don't want to go first um
0: yeah. because under.
1: of mine my... all right i'll go first, I, can go first. Don't get I got it i got it and i'm see here's here's the thing this is my idea i sat down to write this thing and i blanked out uh my creative juices are gone i think i told you that we had uh that i've had migraines the last couple of days so my head has been zoned out so we'll so let's see how this goes so ladies and gentlemen boys and girls Guys, gals, non-binary pals. I have a feeling this choice might surprise some of you. Mainly because uh, this film is animated. And you think, oh, Cameron doesn't like animated movies. Well, there is one animated movie that I'm quite a fan of. And that movie is Inside Out. And you know what? Inside Out 2 never got a sequel. I always thought that there was some potential for a sequel. Now, you know, there were some cute little, like, stories and short films that they did that kind of incorporated, um, you know, Riley growing up. But I think... Like the puberty I one? I think what kind of... Yeah, exactly. I think what kind of interests me about Inside Out, and potentially, obviously, this is, you know, not... In the, understand, the movie I'm pitching is not a movie I think Pixar would go for for a million years. Uh, in a million years because it is very different than everything else Pixar uh, has done because it's a lot more mature. Uh, but I also think that Inside Out, just in general, and I don't know if you guys agree, it's probably one of the most mature movies that um, Pixar has done.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: Um, So, for Inside Out 2, I see it kind of as a whole year from January to December of the year that Riley is graduating high school and going into college. Okay. And she's got a lot of emotions going on. Uh, joy, fear, anger, sadness. Is there another one discussed? That was the other one, right? Yeah. They're all, you know, going at it you know as was there one added in was it canon that there was another one added in during puberty was there a love one that was added in i don't believe so no okay so it was just okay i didn't think so um so but things are kind of falling apart for her in this year uh like for one her parents are getting divorced um her she is not doing too well in school uh so she's trying to she's trying to figure out what's going on with her future. She is succeeding really well in hockey. So there's a possibility of a scholarship uh, of a sports scholarship to college but she's still trying to figure that out. She's in the middle of or she's in a relationship with someone and again not really working out the best. So things are not the greatest for her. And in her mind we have all of these feelings and they're all trying to figure out you know they're all doing their thing and it's getting harder and harder and harder for joy to be in and to kind of find say in what's happening in riley's mind all of these other feelings you know yeah obviously with what's going on joy's always trying to find you know the happiness and you know the parents divorce or you know the relationship or you know oh we're doing well in hockey but she's always getting drowned out by everyone else uh so joy uh you know one day something happens uh a trigger of some sort and all of a sudden no one can find her no one can find joy joy is completely gone and very much like we saw in the first inside out film of riley shutting down we're now seeing something kind of similar But fear, played by Bill Hader, he's now taking over inside Riley's mind and trying to steer the ship as everyone tries to figure out where joy went. And this is the part where I say where I said I probably um, don't have the most because I haven't figured out where Joy went or what exactly is going. <laughs> it's on. his ele-
0: Cameron started this elevator pitch and somebody got off before their floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, "I'm just gonna get so, off here and take the stairs." The
1: <laughs> story is still working, um, but there will they will eventually find her at the end and the college her you know start of college. You know she meets you know because she breaks up with your boyfriend. They end up having to break up. And her parents, their divorces, you know, they're they're separated, Uh, and she does end up getting into college, and uh, you know, a small college uh, on a hockey scholarship. And the final scene is her, um, you know, going to a party and making friends and saying like, "Oh, okay, you know, maybe there is something here for me." And that's you know, that's because Joy has finally found her way back into. Uh, her mom. This has
0: some like this, um, this part that you're talking about now has a lot of Ladybird tendencies to yeah, it. Yeah,
1: it. it does have a little Ladybird. Yeah, too. I could like when like you
0: when you said, line. when you said, like, oh, yeah, she like moved out to college and she went to a party and it's like, oh, this is kind of nice. I was like, that literally happens in Ladybird.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know what? It, it probably does. It does, actually. It
0: does. I, oh, it's still good. I, I just thought it was funny, but, um,
1: but you know, those are the type of a lot of you love
0: Ladybird. Like, I get it. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah and you're and a big fan. I
1: feel like. I think, like, that, like even that kind of take, like, I was even thinking maybe, like, it's just a bunch of, like, kind of, like, vignettes of, like, moments of the life, just like Lady Bird was, but, you know, we're seeing the interior, but this is kind of the, the way I wanted to go with it, so that was kind of, that's kind of my pitch for Inside Out, two. Definitely a lot darker than the first one, and definitely not even uh, really aimed towards uh, kids at all, because you're dealing with a lot more mature <laughs> things that are happening on the outside, uh, but that's kind of what I would like to see in Inside
0: Out too. Right, is this the, so? Is the plan now we'll just give you some notes or some thoughts? Is that kind of? Yeah, kinda...
2: could, I mean, we could just you know talk about it and.
0: Okay, Joel, I I can you go first. I saw you were about to say something.
2: No, I was just gonna say uh, as I was thinking of what like movie I wanted to do, animation kept coming to mind because I feel like
0: there's just there's a lot you can take. yeah there's a lot of them
2: um, and I think Inside Out's like perfect movie to have a sequel like i think a lot of like what made this so difficult for me is there's so many movies that i'm like well i wouldn't want a sequel for that you Mm -hmm. know like there's a lot of movies that's like oh they would this would like lend itself really well to having a sequel Mm -hmm. but i don't want it to have a sequel you know what i mean so and i'm sure i don't know about you guys but like i'm sure with all of our pitches it's like yeah this would be cool but like i don't need this like they never need to make this you know um but i think like of pixar's films especially as of late like Inside Out is absolutely one that lends itself to to having a sequel with all the emotions and, like you said, you know her going into you know all these changes in her life and you know, college and whatnot. And so I think that's a really good choice that you made for which film. Mm.
0: I have so. I have one note to start.
2: Yeah, yeah. A, do we
0: have to split up the parents? I mean, I think they were. Yeah, you I you think know, the I, parents work very well in that you you first film well? together. Yes, I think, and in the shorts. They do. They establish a very healthy relationship between the it two of them. There could
1: probably be some tension between the parents and not, bre- you know, breaking up.
0: Yeah, I mean, because, you know, Disney has a tendency of, like, bad things happening to parents and stuff. I think it would yeah, I, I mean, think it would be know, nice the, to keep them I, together.
1: You know, watching the movie, the dad honestly, the original one, the dad seemed like he'd be the type of guy to put their life savings into crypto. <laughs> so, maybe that's what happened. And how they're uh, having to move out of San Francisco because they can't afford it. I mean he's to gotta to be ma- ma- he's gotta have
0: big money <laughs> to live in San Francisco. So Yeah, so
1: <laughs> maybe maybe that's what's
0: happening. Um I mean there's always a big I think you made the right call by aging Riley up as much as you did. I think that's what people would want to see in a yeah. sequel for that. Uh, my big question, and I think a lot of people have thought this as well, if you're going to age her up that much don't you feel like maybe some new emotions should be added to like yeah, the core def- emotions?
1: Definitely, and like I think that, and that's a great that's a great point. Add in some new characters because uh, Disney lo- Disney
0: loves to introduce new characters whenever they do you sequels. You definitely
2: gotta have you, you know, know that hate- one super marketable character like the Olaf or the, the socks. You know, yeah, you gotta have yeah. hatred
1: and love in there.
2: That's why I was asking about. Uh, yeah,
1: you got you could maybe put hatred and love in there. Yeah, she's got a boyfriend that could work yeah both
0: of those yeah so i mean it's very it's very tricky because like i'm sure i'm sure you guys have both seen this because all three of us love this film but like there's there's like discussion and storyboard and concept stuff of like some of the other emotions that were going to be in the original film and they just decided to centralize on the main five um so they could pull from that list and be like oh we're finally going to introduce these um i don't know what they would do but i think i think that's a I think that would be an obvious thing that Disney would do. Not necessarily that you you would need to do it, but I think nope. if they were making this movie, they would absolutely I introduce have a question more. I for
1: you. Because here's something I'm thinking, because again, this is a very rough synopsis. Do you think that it would be possible for an emotion to go... So obviously the first one... Um, they're in riley's mind they get lost in her mind or they go through and that's you know what's so cool about the gimmick of you know her mind obviously they can't do that again do you think that there's a possibility or they can't do it again in the same way uh do you think there's a possibility that an emotion could somehow make it out into the real world
2: no no no, okay. no i don't like that
1: well i i don't like it either i'm just asking if that's something that you see could possibly happen
2: the reason i say i don't think it's possible is because I don't interpret Riley's mind as being a physical space that they're in. No. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Um, here's another thought. Do you find a way to bring back Bing Bong in any capacity?
1: No, Bing Bong's gone.
0: I agree. Yeah, he should be 100% gone. Yeah,
1: he's he's done so. Too
0: emotional of a kill in See, that like, film that's the thing, to it's bring him like, back.
1: It's like, and I think, you know, talking about sequels, you can't ever have a sequel that completely undermines – what came before we see it and all and we see it all the we, time
0: i i know yeah but it shouldn't yeah. happen but we see it yeah
1: i mean look at you know the, the, the new star wars series is the perfect
0: example. or the, the new jurassic world
1: yeah but like especially when you have like emotional things like you know like bing bong you know these emotional punch you know punch lines or um beats or whatever uh you can't jip off your you know you can't mess with your viewer and it would take away the power of the sequences so hell no we're not bringing bing bong that dude's
2: dead maybe riley goes to the moon in this one riley (laughs) yeah she becomes an astronaut she goes to the moon she goes to astronaut huh
1: remember her her grades aren't that good so
2: astronaut study astronaut studies school
1: yeah she does what she does what all uh athletes do all
0: athletes do in college
1: uh she she majors in communication
0: what if instead we cut to like the future and she's about to board but they're waiting for one more person to board and the person ends up being big bird and,
1: and we see running late challenger
0: on the side oh okay. yeah
2: yeah no that's what that's exactly <laughs> it's it. big big sure bird? You just see challenger <laughs> she looks to her right and it's big bird <laughs> and then she looks to her left And it's Buzz Lightyear, but not the toy, the Buzz Lightyear from the movie that inspired the toy that Andy likes.
0: Okay, see, now this is something, this would make all of those wackos that believe in the Pixar theory, this would drive them nuts. If the real Buzz Lightyear was taking place uh, during the same time period as everybody in Inside Out, they need something to feed on. Because these last couple of years, as more and more of these movies have come out, it's really started to basically be impossible that the pixar theory is a real thing like now they've just resorted to like throwing flowers and pictures off to the side that's basically it
2: well you didn't notice that one flower way in the back on the building had a picture of uh ratatouille not not remy but ratatouille
1: (laughs) it was it was a fun little theory for a little bit it was fun when it 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 first
2: came out because it was like okay someone took the time to Go and, make, and but now, like you said, with every yeah. movie coming out, it's just like, well, how can I make this a stretch? You know, I mean, the
0: only consistent we have so far is the Pizza Planet <laughs> truck.
2: I want a series
1: on and like the original theory actually had some like yeah.
2: interesting points. I want a to Disney it, Plus series as you said, about like, the Pizza Planet truck and why and is in all these universes. Oh yeah,
0: I, I'd watch the shit out of that. Like that, that would 100% be something. Disney, Disney, if you're listening, make that. Just make that uh cameron one thing i wanted to point out before we start wrapping up with you it seemed like you kind of when you said you didn't have joy around in the film as much i mean do you have joy in your life right now (laughs) yeah exactly uh um so if you don't have her in the film as much does that mean she's kind of off screen doing whatever is she just gone like is she doing her side story like what's going on with joy in your pitch
1: I'm actually thinking that joy, and now that I say like she's missing, maybe she like literally fades, mm. and so like action. she's like there, but they can't, like they can't really access her, and so they have to figure out how to do this all on their own because she's been the one that's been leading them.
0: So she's there, but she's not really there. So maybe then it can go along the routes of like, when as Riley grows up, like if you have one emotion and you have like a polar opposite emotion of it like i guess like the opposite for joy here would be like hatred like you mentioned before if the hatred yeah in I mean, riley that's... gets strong enough mm-hmm. it completely engulfs the polar opposite emotion so like joy would disappear because yeah. the hatred is so strong in riley and it would take like a serious moment in her life in a to be able to try and get the joy back like something like that yeah this is getting dark yeah yes we uh we definitely took a turn here yeah uh, towards the darker side
1: yeah no yeah i mean you're right so yeah i mean definitely i think so yeah i think like if joy is in the mind and like she's like there but not there like maybe like like again like she's Mm. faded so she's almost like unconscious in a way so she's there so they're not like because like that's what i'm saying is i don't think that she needs to do another like the the interior of the mind they've already explored that And I feel like, you know, there's, you can't really explore that again. So, yeah, I think that like this version honestly kind of focuses on it. It has, it obviously has to do with stuff in the mind, but I think we see a lot more of Riley's exterior than we do her interior. Not more than, but just more than we did in the original.
0: All right, cool. No, I really
2: like it. It was a, it was a good pitch. Um, all right, so Joel, you're up. Is it my turn, Cameron? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, this took me a long time to decide which movie I wanted to do. Um, so I settled on a movie that I hold in very high regard, um, Chef. So here is my pitch for a sequel to Chef. I did not come up with a fun sequel name. Couldn't come up with anything. Um, but here's my pitch for a sequel to Chef. What would you say? chef Chef-er. I love that. Chef-er. Chef
1: chef 2 Two-chef, <laughs> two-chef. Oh, it's like um, sous-chef or sous-chef, but like C-
2: two-chef. C- C-H-2-F. F- chef. Two-chef. Two chef. Um, okay. So this movie picks up <laughs> five years after the original, okay? <laughs> and it opens up. We see the entire Casper family. In the kitchen going ham. They are just like hustling. Think about an episode of the bear, right? Just going crazy in that kitchen. Slowly pulls out. They're at El Jefe, the restaurant that we see that they now have at the end of the movie, the one that Oliver Platt like funds and all that stuff. So slowly pulling out, the restaurant is just slammed. It's five years later, and this place is still popping. Carl Casper back at the top of his game. People are loving it. They want to come try this restaurant. Line out the door every weekend, hottest restaurant in LA. Okay. And as it keeps pulling out, we see there's this huge line, huge line. We get out to the door. There's a whole like line of people waiting by the, you know, little check in booth thing trying to get in the restaurant, line down the street. And what do we see in the back in the parking lot? The truck all old and decrepit and it's dusty and it's just not getting used anymore. Because they've moved on from that because the El Jefe restaurant has become so popular, they had to put all of their focus into that. Okay. So, whatever. Well, Percy's now old enough to drive, so maybe we're the next day or whatever. We, that was just kind of like our little opening. Next day or whatever, we see him asking Carl, hey, can I, can I borrow your car? Like a bunch of my friends are going out to this, you know, big party at this restaurant or whatever on this night. I really need the car. Carl's like, no, like you can't borrow my car. That's irresponsible, blah, 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 whatever. So fast forward to that evening or that weekend, whatever it is. Percy sneaks over to the restaurant and he steals the truck. And he drives the truck over to the party with his friends without telling mom and dad. So he goes into the party, but he comes back out, and there is a line of people lined up because they see the El Jefe truck for the first time in years and they're like oh my god it's back Twitter is blowing up just tweets off the rails El Jefe truck is back no way El Jefe truck Carl uh, Casper's back on the streets blah 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 Twitter's just going crazy Percy sees this on his phone he's like oh god like what have I done and he tells these people like no like it, it's not back like the truck's just out here whatever whatever." takes it back to the restaurant he goes to sleep next morning he wakes up to the uh, to, to Carl and Inez screaming at him okay he comes downstairs and they're like what happened? Like, what's going on, or whatever? And he explains to them, like, the whole situation and says, like, people were really excited. Like, they really wanted the truck back. And, like, I really think maybe we should bring it back. Like, there was really an audience for it. Carl and Inez both say, no, like, the restaurant is at its peak right now. They've never been better. Like, you have to put all the focus in on this. So he's upset. He's like, no, the restaurant's fine. They don't need to be there. It's a missed opportunity if they're not doing the truck. And then he says, who knows? Maybe it would even bring Martin back, and he just kind of storms off or whatever. So fast forward, Carl Carl and Inez are laying in bed at night, and Inez kind of starts to realize, like, no, maybe Percy's right. Like, come on, Carl. Like, maybe it could be fun. Get the truck back going. Like, who knows? And Carl's like, no, what are you talking about? He goes to sleep. Next morning, Carl gets to the restaurant. Outside, both Percy and Inez are washing the truck. Spick and span. It looks brand new. It's all shiny. And Carl's like, yo, what the hell? Like, what are you guys doing? And Percy's like, come on dad like let's get the truck going again. Yeah. no 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 pulls out his phone he shows him a post look there's a food truck competition in Chicago I think this could be a lot of fun for us and nah, 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 nah. come on come on and Inez is like prodding him come on honey like let's go like it'll be fun we could do it as a family this time so he's finally like okay fine and Percy says okay but if we're gonna do this you know what we need to do boom cut to Carl on the phone he's like come on meet me at the restaurant boom cut back to the restaurant inside we have carl and martin having lunch together that's john leguizamo's character by the way for those of you following at home they're having lunch together and what are they eating the cubanos from the first movie duh the movie the food that made the truck what it was and martin says look man these sandwiches they're bomb but if you want me back we have to go back and making this food not this crap that you started serving at the restaurant because carl over time Went back to his old ways and started making this weird fancy stuff at the restaurant. And even though the restaurant's popping he loses the, f- the the friendship of people like Martin because he realizes, like, dude, what are you doing? We should be making these these Cubanos, the the, the food from the heart that people really want to eat, right? So Carl's like, okay, okay, fine. So they all start packing the van. They get ready to go, but they can't just leave the restaurant behind, right? Someone has to be left in charge. Well. Carl's now new sous chef, played by Melissa Villasenor, she's in charge while Carl's gone. So she takes over the restaurant. Boom, they leave. They make a couple of stops here and there along the way to Chicago, blah, blah, blah. They get to Chicago big food truck competition whole bunch of food trucks from all over the country we kind of have a couple of like main competitors that they're gonna like face off against that'd be bill hater stephanie beatriz and josh brolin playing these people right so kind of a little mixture of personalities some really funny some take this really serious but it's this whole big competition think of it kind of survivor-esque where there's like different challenges and each challenge requires like a different member of their team to compete so sometimes Carl's in the mix. Sometimes you have Percy, sometimes it's Inez, it's Martin, whoever it is. And they're doing all these different crazy challenges. Some of them are strictly based around being a food truck. Others are just food in general. Maybe it's carrying stuff and loading the truck. Whatever it is, it's all based around being a food truck. Well, Carl's taking it super seriously. He didn't even want to be there in the first place, but now he's taking it super seriously. And the rest of them aren't even having fun. They're starting to regret having the idea to get the food truck going again and go on this trip. And they're trying to convince Carl, like, we wanted to do this because we wanted it to be fun. And now you're just making it all serious, just like it is back at the restaurant. And so he realizes that, and he finds his passion again, but the passion's not in the food. The passion is about being there with his family. And he kind of realizes that in the middle of the competition. It turns things around, they get back going again as a big happy team, they end up winning the competition, and they come back home, they go to the restaurant, and Carl says, we're going back to what we, what we know. And they refresh the menu to go back to what it was when they first started. People still love it. And the food truck, it's back in business, baby. Carl put Martin in charge. He's the food truck guy now. So Martin is in charge of the food truck. That's running simultaneously with El Jefe, the restaurant. They've got both of them going. Big, happy business. Everything's going great. Chef, too. That's my movie. I love
1: it. I think it's great. Yeah, that, I, Yours I would see a lot it. more in-depth than mine was, so. I, um, you had, like, specific scenes plotted out and everything.
0: No, it was good. I very much enjoyed it. It's like a war games kind of thing you have going on there with, like, the chef competition. I think that's very, that would be very fun. It would be very fun. Um, I have a couple of thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. First off, props to you for casting Melissa Villasenor. Shouts to her. Underutilized. At Saturday Night Live. Welcome to the big time. And
1: Bill Hader, I love
0: it. Well he's not underutilized, but it <laughs> well, is I'm but it is great to, yeah. He he, and him. Stephanie Beatrice. No, great job. Love it. Um, I think it's better those are better people to have in the movie Wait, than Melissa some of the, of the other ones.
1: Senor just get dropped from SML?
0: Well, that's, that's my point. Like yeah, she's leaving. She oh yeah. There's a lot of people leaving that show this year. Um, but yeah, so props to you for that. So it
2: hasn't been funny for like thirty years. <laughs>
0: can't I, I, uh, I disagree I, I it has its moments um uh what else did I want to say uh I think that's a good use of John Leguizamo's character um so you're doing the thing and the, like it was a very prevalent plot point in chef one that like Carl hated doing like the hoity-toity restaurant tier kind of stuff that he was doing when he was working for Dustin Hoffman's character
2: it was, I think, it was less that he didn't like doing the hoity-toity stuff. He didn't like that he wasn't in charge of his menu, right? Because even the stuff that he was gonna make for the night that uh, the reviewer was there, okay, it was still gonna be kind of like fancier stuff, right? But Dustin Hoffman wouldn't let him make his stuff. He said no stick to no.
0: The that's true. That no, you're right. That's fair. Um, I. It just feels like that. I don't know how to say this because it's a natural progression to go from food truck to like brick and mortar like it really it is Um, but I I don't know if Carl's is the type of character that would make that transition it almost felt like when he did the food truck it was like a midlife crisis moment of him transitioning to that and it kind of pulled him out of a rut that he was in to the point that I don't know if I don't know if he would be going backwards in a way.
2: He, are you saying like you don't think he would open a restaurant? I,
0: I it's, it's hard to,
2: I, I well, think, is, oh, no, the only reason I'm asking that is because they do. No, the I know. the movie. They have the restaurant.
0: I know, but the restaurant still, it still feels, has the same feel of the food truck. Like, mm-hmm. cause I, I just don't think that his character I, would have him just like, if it, the way you described it were like, Oh, the food trucks all dusty and no one cares about it anymore. It felt like you were setting up that he like pushed away that part of his past right. to just move on. I, and I don't feel like that's the route he would go based on the first film.
1: I respectfully disagree with Ryan. Uh, just because I think it is definitely, I mean, ask any, ask anyone who's like very, Big into a certain field or has been there for a very long time, and you find them kind of falling back into this place of comfort and going back to, you know, oh, we've got this restaurant now and it's doing well. Okay, I can just kind of do this because I mean, restaurants are obviously a lot of work. I feel like food trucks are a lot more even more kind of work on on top of that right to be doing both so i think kind of settling down into the restaurant makes sense and, and and just in general for you know as joelle i think one of the interesting things you did with this is you kind of gave like the like you added the nostalgia of the first movie into literally the plot of this one which i think is really interesting and like literally you know bringing the truck to uh you know a party and seeing people excited for you know what the truck has is like again what i was saying it's like literally showing the nostalgia that you know you have for the first movie which i think is a really cool touch um i don't know if that's what you're going for but that's how i came across
2: no definitely like i i the what, one of the things i loved about the first movie is like you i mean you guys have both been to food trucks with me you know and like that vibe of being around a food truck and seeing like the excitement of people and people will line up for their favorite truck and stuff like that like that was one of my favorite things about the first movie was like this food truck culture that it really shows off and so i definitely so, wanted that to be part of it which is why i thought Having it based around a whole food truck competition would have been, you know. Like, I
0: have. Oh, it's a great idea. Yeah, um, it would be super fun. Really
2: quick, camera. Before I just wanted to respond really quick to what Ryan said. Um, I totally, I totally get what you, what you're saying. Like with Carl not being the type to go back to that. Um, for me, it's more of like a. Not, not a because it has to type thing, but like, similar to what Camera was saying. I feel like so many people. He was – Carl was so excited to be the chef that he was over at the restaurant, right? Yeah. But he lost control because he was no longer able to make the menu he was wanted to make, right? So when he makes the food truck, yes, it pulls him out of that world of like this hoity toity and back to just like a good, honest, loving food. But besides just that, what it took him out of was a place where he was restricted. The food truck started as Cubanos, but every place they went – It changed into something different based on where they are. He had that freedom now, right? Yeah. So now he's being backed by an outside, you know, financier saying, hey, take this money. This is your restaurant. Make the food you want to make. So obviously he starts off with the stuff from the truck. But I feel like there's this natural, oh, well, we're just making the same stuff over and over again that somebody like him who's trying to be innovative where she yeah, should be like oh well let's yeah. change things up or what if we start making this when we start making this and with each one of those things it's kind of this snowball effect of like oh well people responded well to that so now let's make this and it just eventually strays so far from what they were, control you know? of it, yeah. and because of how popular the restaurant is that's where my mind was like well they, they'd probably eventually lose track of the truck because there's a bigger revenue coming from them being at the restaurant than having to drive this truck around and all that stuff, you know, don't you think that maybe point is very valid?
0: Yeah. Well, to to speak to that, like I, I just think that we see so many times in films that, especially in sequels, like a character will have a character progression in the first film. And then in order to make a plot for a second one, they have to like knock them back a couple of rungs just to be like, Oh, Mm -hmm. look at them. They're going back to their, to how they were a little bit in the previous one so i think i think you could still make a great sequel with this film while avoiding that but if you as you break it down like it makes more sense
2: um no i totally get it
0: uh, my other question would be then uh to follow that up wouldn't he be more inclined maybe to just hire somebody else to run the truck or do you think he's so like his hands in everything that he would just be against that like I think, I, like he yeah, would never he would never let the truck die he would just let the, pass the along truck to has else.
2: to be somebody who he trusts right and the way i envision things when he got the restaurant martin was his sous chef just like he was at the restaurant right but as the menu started changing that's when martin said you know what i we're not doing what i want to be doing like what we set off to do so i'm leaving you so that's why it ends up in the hands of martin
0: yeah so like so is it a thing where like the food truck was still running when he had martin and then when he loses martin he doesn't have time for the truck is that kind of how how that would work
2: i think they were probably both doing the they were probably doing both and then okay. they eventually together stopped doing the truck like it just became like hey like let's focus on the restaurant it was and probably I don't necessarily think martin was like dying to like have the truck going but more of a like okay if we're gonna be at this restaurant though like let's keep making the stuff probably... that people wanted you know
0: no i understand i understand that i'm just saying like it feels like if they're being as successful as we're making it seem like that the truck could have still been operating what? just with a someone else that maybe carl trained or someone that even martin trained still mm-hmm. operating the truck
2: that's let's just that's like question. a yeah i just think it's too much of a personal thing where like if it's gonna be if someone's gonna be running that truck it has to be one of them i agree even yeah. if no, even if sense. like you said like if they were to bring somebody in like let's say like the melissa villas in your character who knows maybe by the end of the movie they're like hey you know what you did such a good job with this we're taking you off of being sous chef martin's coming back yeah. but we're gonna promote you now you're in charge of the truck Who's... maybe she takes that as like a a step down maybe. you know but how old is the kid at this point so i believe in the first movie he was like 10 they right? said he was 10 yeah um
0: how much time has passed did you say
2: so i had said five years okay, because so i don't it's, remember it's... his exact age okay um but i just figured it'd be around the age where he can start driving. Yeah. I, mean, I you, almost went with a college plot point where it was like, Oh, he was going to college. So for like one last little thing, they go on another tr- food truck trip together, but yeah, no, I was there was say, not enough like tension there.
0: I was going to say you could, um, you could have, uh, if you update a little bit more in terms of like how many years have passed, you could just have, you could have it where the sun yeah. has, has some involvement in the food Takes truck over, as well. Yeah. That's an option. Um,
2: this also, and Cameron did, I hope you didn't forget your question. Cause we'll go to, I want to go to you right now um but this one would also have like 95 percent more sofia vergara probably <laughs> just like i did get just to make makes the story sense. work yeah. yeah makes sense uh
1: Sorry. so i've got a question for you yes um so a big and obviously it's been a while since i've seen chef uh but like a big thing about chef and my appeals so much is the fun of the road trip right mm-hmm. and so my question for you is what is the balance that you're going to see that we're going to see between like the road trip and then when they are in you said chicago right yes yeah so they're in chicago is it like something where do you want the road trip to be a big part of the movie maybe the whole you know second act Mm -hmm. is it just a small thing to get them to the you know to the um the competition is the competition you know a big a big you know three or two act thing is it you know uh is like them going from you know doing the road trip the end of the first act uh and then you know acts two and three uh are them at the competition
2: like how do you see the it's a great question that i actually did think about so i actually mm -hmm. have an answer for you um The road trip in this one is much less of a plot point. I did want to focus on, like, you do see them stop at places, you know. So, Uh like, on that route, they'd probably stop somewhere, like, in Arizona. And maybe they go somewhere to New Mexico where there's Hatch Chilies, And then they start going up, and they're going through Kansas. They go to a barbecue spot. And then, you know, through, you know, wherever they're going to get themselves up to Chicago. We're going to see these things. But I would almost say that's, like, the last 10 maybe even 15 minutes of the first act the food or the truck competition would probably be two acts but here's where and i don't know if you were alluding to this but here's where i think i have a resolution to something that maybe you're concerned about every fourth of july weekend um, chicago does a thing called taste of chicago Mm -hmm. where restaurant people from all over the city all kinds of different cultures and whatnot come together at the pier and have this big basically food festival where they showcase their food right and so in between like the legs of the competition and stuff i picture these moments where the family maybe it's just carl and percy maybe it's martin and percy because carl's kind of been in a bad mood whatever it is they're going to like whether it's taste of chicago or something along those lines even if they're just hitting local spots but they're kind of touring around Chicago similar to how they toured around the country trying different foods. Now granted obviously it's different now because they're in one location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Chicago much like New York and LA has such a broad spectrum okay. of food culture that they're getting this opportunity to kind of try different things and they can kind of loop that into oh like it they come up to a thing in the competition. It's like last night when we were at uh you know the bear we saw how they were doing this and you know, we want okay. to do that, you know? So
1: perfect. That is, I mean, that's kind of where I, what I thought would, li- was like the natural thing to kind of lean into. And so the fact that that's what you were going for, I think that's, I think that's a great, I think yeah, that's I super have, interesting. I mean, I
2: have the first 15 pages written. If you guys want <laughs> <kind of> to <interrupt laughs> um, you, you no. pitch pitches to John
0: Favreau.
2: Uh, once I write it, I'll get that's in contact. I can get you in I'll contact. To him. Thanks. No problem.
0: All right, yeah. No, that was I great. Think that's great. I love yeah, that. I'm here for You're it. Put
2: me to shame. Two chef two chef. Two chef two chef sous chef? Two chef two chef. Two, uh, <laughs> did, uh, yeah, it's yeah, two chef. Sous chef. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, um, it's uh Ryan, so it's your turn. It is, yeah. Um, And whenever you're ready, it's your turn to go.
0: All right. Very nice. Thank Um, you for taking my job, Joel. Well, um, Cameron, I'm going to give you a separate job here because I would like you to tell the audience what movie I'm doing because you mentioned it right when you pitched this to me. You already said I knew what I was going to
1: do. Ryan is doing the sequel to The Nice Guys. Uh, I don't know if he's going to call it The Nicer Guys or nice guys too, or nice two
2: guy, nice
1: guy and then guys, I, a a two yeah so but he's definitely doing the sequel to the nice guys
0: yeah about that um that's not what i'm doing I'm uh-oh sure. um do you? you know that is a film that i would love to get a sequel for but you know what i trust uh i trust the team from the nice guys, I trust Shane Black to handle that whenever the time is right.
1: Well, I think you're the only one in Hollywood who does
0: that. Movie's good, and he can just make that one and nothing else, and I would be very happy. Um, no, I'm gonna I'm going to go with something that I think. I think that I could get my hands in here and really make something special. Um, you know, an actor by the name of Samuel L. Jackson has. Many great roles that he's been a part of. You know, there's a running joke in Hollywood that like, oh, yeah, uh, the cast came out um, cast came out for such and such film. Oh, is Sam Jackson in it. And a lot of the times the answer is yes. The he, guy, get, guy gets work, which is kudos to him, especially since he didn't really break out until he was like in his 30s or 40s. I don't remember um, when exactly, but it was a long time ago. Um, Sam Jackson has a lot of great content. And the film of his that I want to make the sequel for is a little sports film by the name of Coach Carter. Now, Interesting. Co- Coach Carter takes us to Richmond, California, where Ken Carter, played by Samuel Jackson, in the previous film, he was just newly hired as the head coach of the Richmond High School basketball team, the Richmond Oilers. He To just refresh for everybody, because my film isn't, really isn't as mainstream uh, as some others that could have been picked. Um, Ken Carter is a very strict man. Like he expects, expects high quality men to pass through his program, not just high quality, talented basketball players. So he, he makes his high school kids, he makes them sit in the front row. He makes them sign contracts that they're going to follow the rules. He makes them maintain a 2.3 GPA in high school and, this is a school that is depicted as to be essentially like in a very rough neighborhood. So, you know, there's a lot. Of, there's characters that get involved with like, you know, gang warfare. Like, it's a major plot point in the film. So, In this he, film or the first film? In I'm still just recapping the first one for everybody. Okay, gotcha. But, but a lot of these. Yeah, I, I figured. I didn't think. I didn't know if either of you had seen it, so that's why I'm doing this for you and for the listeners at home. For sure. Um, but uh, so yeah, he expects a lot from his players and just to, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of basketball in between in this film, getting from where, where we set up Ken taking over as the coach to um, getting to the point where they play their final game of the season. Um, There's a lot of hiccups along the way. Some of the players adhere to the rules and don't really run into any problems. Some of them run into a lot of problems, and Coach Carter helps them get through it. At some point into the movie, he brings his son onto the team because his son really wants to play for them, play for his father. Um, but it, there's a lot of questions about whether Coach Carter's methods are going to work. And to spoiler alert, everybody, for the original Coach Carter film, his team comes together. They rally. They're going to play a school by the name of St. Francis, and they have the number one player in all of high school, Ty Crane. Now, this is supposed to be an inspirational sports movie, but Richmond High School loses that game to Ty Crane at a shot at the buzzer that just misses. Um, And that's the end of the film. So, yeah, Coach didn't get the success in terms of on the court that he wanted, but the men turned into high-quality men. They all adhere to the rules by the end. They all became great students. They all got all the seniors got scholarships. Even Channing Tatum got one. Uh, Channing it, Tatum's was, um, in this movie? it was uh, it was very impressive. What was your question? Is it Channing
1: Tatum's in this movie? Yeah he
0: is. He's the token white player really? on the team. Um, so that is Coach Carter the original. But I'm here to talk to you about Coach Carter 2, Carter Harder. Now <laughs> We've had we've had a couple years pass. It's been about twenty years, and Ken Carter has developed into a top tier coach in the high school world. He's still coaching at Richmond um, because you know that's where he lives. That's where he made his bed, and he's turned the program into a powerhouse. Like they're getting top tier recruits. All of these players are adhering to the rules that he sets, he has not changed his ways. All of his standards have stayed the same. He, the great point average, sitting in the front row, signing the contracts. He has not deviated at any point from what he, what he expects from the men that play on his team. But Coach is seeing that, while he may be setting a nice precedence for the men that walk through his program, he's realizing that these issues aren't going away in the world. They're just going away in his world because he has some power on the basketball court. But that power goes away once he's off the court. Even in his own home. Like or in his own uh neighborhood. He has to worry about these prevalent issues with gangs and violence, you know, and we've we've moved this into the current era. Like this movie came out in two thousand five. We're just aging it up till basically about twenty twenty five. So you figure if things stay relatively the same to how they are now. There's a lot of issues going on in the country right now with gun violence and things like that and police brutality. and Those things are all very prevalent to Ken Carter. He wants to find a way that he can set his mindset of things that he has for his players to the town of Richmond because he wants to basically make, the war- make his city in the world a better place. So coach Carter decides that this is going to be his final season as the coach of the basketball team at Richmond High School. Everybody's upset. Like everyone that's gone through the program is upset. You know, the guys that some of his former players, they're playing in the NBA, some of them have retired from the NBA because it's been so long, but they all respect the coach. So they decide that all of his former players are going to come together and they're going to make Coach Carter's final season one of the greatest in college basketball, or, or excuse me, high school basketball history. They have a goal that they're going to go undefeated, and they're going to do it with the help of the players that set the precedents 20 years ago to begin with. So he's got a bunch of his former players joining his coaching staff to help have one final great send-off and have Coach Carter ride off into the sunset. So we've got some very talented basketball players, and we still have these issues prevalent on the current team. You know, We're still deal- dealing with you know, gang war, gun violence, police brutality. These are all very prevalent in the story, but I don't want to get too far. In, I don't want to go too deep into those things because no one enjoys talking about these things. We'll break them down further when the movie gets made. But it's very similar in a sense that we're we're helping these kids these high school men deal with their personal battles at home by making life easier for them on the court in a sense of teamwork and responsibility and just being good people all around so the season is going off without a hitch it is they have not lost a game yet they're just crushing teams they have talent on this roster that is on their way to some of the highest profile programs in the country duke Kansas, UCLA, North Carolina, Kentucky, they're all scouts all over at the games. We're getting further into the season. They go undefeated in the regular season, but they have an old foe standing in their way, and it is St. Francis High School. Now, if you were paying attention, I mentioned that Coach Carter has a son. That son transferred from St. Francis to go play for his father's team 20 years ago. Well, who is the coach currently at St. Francis? His son. It is his son.
1: Oh, my God.
0: So the big final test of Coach Carter's career as a high school coach in Richmond is taking on his son, Damian, and his St. Francis team. Now, St. Francis is still no slouch. It's still a top-tier program in high school basketball. So this is not going to be an easy battle. We have a very hard-fought game in front of us, and it is going down to the wire. Like The crowd is going nuts. It's the biggest game we've ever seen in this town. ESPN is broadcasting this game live on their main channel, not ESPN3. This is on regular ESPN. This is a big moment, and the story is all about Ken Carter, and the great work that he's done in the town of Richmond for that high school, for that town, for everyone involved, and how we're going to dedicate this game to him. This time around, Richmond is down one. They have the ball. Five seconds left. They inbound the ball to the star point guard. He runs up the court. He gets ready to fake left, Goes right. Now you think that he's going to pull up from top of the key and take that shot. He's not going to do that. He throws a bounce pass under the defender's legs to the star center of the team, who in this film is our catalyst. The center is the player on the team that has the most family issues at home. He's dealing with so much. His brother was gunned down in a a gang war in this film earlier. So he has a lot riding on his shoulders. And he's also the player that has had the most trouble maintaining all of the asks of Coach Carter. So these scouts that are here to see him, it's very much a question of how high he can really go. The ball goes to him. He goes up and he dunks it. And the clock expires. Richmond wins the game. Now, when the game ends, Coach Carter is relieved. His own son, Damian, is thrilled for him. He's very happy for his father. This big moment is over, and they have expelled some demons, and in Coach Carter's final season, he has won the state championship in the the state of California. Now, they are going to do one last surprise for Coach Carter. They are Uh, going to erect a statue for him outside of the gymnasium the famous gymnasium where in the first film he locked the doors because the players were not meeting the criteria to play basketball so he closed the doors and they forfeited games in the first movie so what does the statue look like of coach carter it's him with a lock and chain in his hands that is the statue that we're going to see, to show that his methods really set the tone for changing the lives of so many people, just because he was willing to take a risk all those twenty years ago. And that is Coach Carter 2, Carter harder. But, but
1: there's an after credit
0: sequence. There's an after credit scene, to Coach Carter II, Carter harder. And this and John is not Travolta a. Comes out. This is not a mid credit scene, folks. This is all the way at the end of the credits coach carter is planning his next career move you know does he want to run for mayor does he want to get into the you know the national government in some capacity what does he want to do to try and make the world a better place now he's getting ready to walk into his home after driving around he parks the car he steps out and he hears a voice the voice says to him so after 20 years You really are ready for a new challenge, aren't you? Ken Carter says, "Um, excuse me, who the hell are you? A man comes out of the shadows. And he says, the name's Nick Fury. I'm here to talk to you about the Samuel L. Initiative. Wow. Folks, what are we doing here? What are we doing? We are setting up the Samuel L. Jackson multiverse of films. Wow. And that's Coach Carter, too. Carter Harder.
2: The Sam Multiverse.
0: verse really, It was very hard to figure out the best way to say the Samuel <laughs> Jackson multiverse.
2: Um, I, I mean, I almost cried. Thank I have you. a question. Please,
0: I'm open for any questions.
2: Where is Ty Crane in all this? Ty Crane
0: is an analyst on ESPN. So he has been kind of like – he's kind of been the one that's like poo-pooing Ken Carter because like going back all those ways. Like he's kind of still an antagonist, but at the end of the day, he is the one that they send to the game because it's against his old school. And he congratulates Coach Carter as well at the end of the game for a job well done.
1: Is that Chang Tame's character? No,
0: No. Ty Crane is just some random dude that –
2: I love the – I love the – it being his son – as the coach cuz I actually thought you were going to say the coach was Ty Crane or I thought you were going to say that when they passed the ball that mm-hmm. that star player was Ty Crane's son. I was trying that would to be I, interesting I was, too, yeah. I was like oh he's probably going to loop in like that Ty Crane character in somehow and you didn't. Nope. And I love that the I love that the opposing coach was his son. I think that's fantastic. So thank you very much. Um I've seen the original coach Carter in passing. It's not a movie. It was one of those ones where it was like, "Oh, it's a rainy day at school." Like we're putting this movie in, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, yeah. it was never one that like I was a hundred percent like locked into. Mm-hmm. Um, not enough to where I would even know the characters, honestly, <laughs> other than Coach yeah, Carter. I, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know anything about that movie. That said, I mean, even me with even with me having limited knowledge of the movie, this sequel uh, tugged on some heartstrings there. Thank you. No, I mean, and I'm and I'm very curious as to what he's going to do. Is he going to join the Avengers, or is he going to become the mayor?
0: Would you like me to give you a little bit of a breakdown of like our Phase One of the Samuel L. Jackson Multiverse? I have it. If no, you
2: that's want okay. It. Okay, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> no, do oh, it. Okay, so good all this work to what it, we're, to we're just mad. like? No, it's okay. I mean, it's okay if you, if you do. Um, no, we want to hear it. So I hope can the audience enjoy. I hope the enjoy- the audience is going to enjoy this as well. So, what is going to happen here? It's very, as you can see, we're very much taking elements from the first Iron Man towards that with that post credit scene.
2: Oh, and we're going
0: to slowly weave the rest of these films in to our ultimate team up film. Now, we don't know what the threat is yet. We don't know why the Nick Fury. Threat why Nick Fury has recruited Ken Carter for this mission. We don't know how Nick Fury even got to the world of Ken Carter. That will all be explained later on down the line. We'll we'll sprinkle some little tea leaves in there here and there. But these are some of the people that we will slowly be introduced to to lead to this big team up. We've got John Shaft from the hit film Shaft. Shaft is going to be a member of this team, 100%. We have Mace Windu of Star Wars fame. Mace Windu is going to be a key cog in all of this. We've got Neville Flynn. If you don't know Neville Flynn, he is the lead protagonist in Snakes on a Plane. And then we have, of course, Jules Winfield. Jules Winfield, iconic performance in Pulp Fiction. Now... Some of you may be wondering, well, Ryan, some of these characters are dead. How would you be able to weave them into this? Can't quite spoil that yet for you.
1: Well, Ryan, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just wondering, where is Samuel L. Jackson's character from Tarzan?
0: (laughs) Uh, Did not make the cut, unfortunately.
1: Oh, that character's iconic.
0: Well, this is only phase one, Cameron. No, oh, we, we're going to keep this thing going for a long time. I have a couple more that are going to be involved in this. Russell Franklin. If you don't know Russell Franklin, that's Samuel Jackson's character in Deep Blue Sea. Oh, 13.
2: blessed movie.
0: It's an iconic film. He has an iconic death scene, but we're going to save him. We have, of course, Richmond Valentine. Richmond Valentine from the King, from Kingsman, the Secret Service. And yes, Joel, he will be doing his Lisp accent the entire time that he's around, of course. Um, And then I I have two more. Two more that are very special. We have, of course, Lucius Best. Also known as Frozone. How are we getting an animated character into this? You'll have to stick around and find out. And finally, the big bad. It gets revealed later on in the franchise. Is the one and only Elijah Price, Mr. Glass, from the Unbreakable Ooh, Glass franchise. Nice. So that's what we have. We have all of these tea leaves are going to get sprinkled throughout. Some of these characters are going to get their own films. Some of them are going to come in other ways. We're going to make it work. The Samuel Jackson multiverse, ladies and gentlemen. Thank
1: you. Very I think much. it's interesting because I feel like Coach Carter, of all of them, his movies, you would feel like would be the one to least introduce the
0: samuel and that's why but that's why we picked him cameron because nobody would have seen it coming
1: gotcha
2: i can't wait i can't wait until coach carter in the multiverse is like coaching a basketball team Mm -hmm. and all of his players have like died on the court they're Mm -hmm. dead and then he's just sitting there clipboard over his face not knowing what he's gonna do and then you just hear, on your left, <laughs> and then these portals open up, and yep. all these Samuel L. Jacksons come through. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Ugh. chills. Do
0: you guys have any um, other thoughts? I, for
2: one, am excited about the Samuel Yula- Al- L. Uh, multiverse. What are you calling it? Would you say? So,
0: so it's <laughs> called the Samuel Initiative. Samuel L. Initiative. Mm. Samuel Ole. Oh? Samuel Oll oh initiative.
2: <laughs> the multiverse of Jackson. Yeah, something like that. It's a, it's a working. Oh progress. my God! His Avengers could be called the Jackson Five. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No, it's great. I, I love, I love your Coach Carter sequel, and I love whatever this is. <laughs> Thank you very
0: much. I appreciate it. Cameron, you've been cleaning your glasses for the last, like, 40 minutes. Do
2: you have any thoughts? Not only uh, is he cleaning his glasses, <laughs> he's cleaning his glasses with his floss pick thing. Uh, much is that like really what was... you're doing?
0: Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Just use some glasses cleaner, my guy.
1: Um, no, I have to get out everything. Okay. Um, what was your question, Joel?
2: <laughs> I didn't ask you a question. <laughs>
0: Oh. i asked if you have any thoughts
2: oh, man. oh
1: no i i don't know much about coach carter i think it sounds great i listened to the entire thing even though i was cleaning my glasses
2: i know
0: you were i listened to the yeah, entire yeah yeah thing. are you excited for the samuel jackson multiverse of films yeah, I,
1: like i said i think it's interesting that this is the one that you went with for yep uh, this, so
0: gotta surprise uh, the people
1: yeah i was surprised with the new nice guys
0: it would have been too easy I've no thought, more, about, uh, that. I've no thought more about that sequel, sequel nice, so many times. Uh, all right. Well, then. I guess.
1: Okay, yeah. Um, so are we all good with our movies?
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm happy so great. with
1: it. I'm, again, I have to apologize for mine. Because your guys was way better.
0: I think I broke but... Cameron's brain a little bit during all of this. <laughs> I think I did. I don't think he saw that coming, and he certainly didn't see the big twist coming at the end.
1: No, I did not. Um, <laughs> I do have a question for you guys.
0: Sure.
2: No, it's okay. Okay. Oh.
1: Kind of going with our subject of today. Could you know? Doesn't not something I need you to think about too long. Do you guys have a favorite seat? Great
0: question. <laughs>
2: Great question, Ryan. If you have one, go for it. I'm thinking um, here. Not yet. I'm also thinking. There's a lot of there's a lot of contenders for this. Whoever's editing put in the uh will be right back music from mm-hmm. the Eric Andre show right here. Mm-hmm. I think I have one. I just want to double check
0: before I commit. Okay, yeah. No, I'm going to go with this one. Yeah, I'm ready. Uh my it. answer is Return of the King.
1: Interesting. Yep. Solid.
2: Joel, do you have one? I mean, this is gonna be a cheap answer, I think. And I'm sure if I had more time to think on it, I'd probably have a different answer.
1: Gotcha. Well that's Um,
2: okay. But I would say Empire Strikes Back. Gotcha. Probably one of the greatest sequels of all time. I mean it's the best Star Wars film, so and it was the second one. So um, I mean, as of late, though, I mean, Top Gun Maverick was just yeah. insane. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, it's top tier. It's also a great choice.
1: Gotcha.
0: What's yours, Cameron?
1: Well, mine goes back to the good old days of uh, the mid 2010s. Paddington 2 <laughs> is probably.
2: God save the Queen. Oh, it's too late uh, one now.
1: One of the best sequels ever made. So.
0: Nice. Yeah. I like it. I like the variety in our options. Yeah. Good job by us. I have a so, follow up question to that.
1: Oh, yeah. Go for it.
0: If you could pick any sequel to a race from the lexicon of film that never
2: came out, what would you pick? Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> would you really pick Fallen Kingdom? Probably. Because Jurassic wow. World was fine.
0: Go... What
2: well, would you would you wipe out? Um, hmm. So it would yeah. uh, that would it, it would it tr- by would the transitive it tr- property yes. it also tr- knocks out. Yeah, um, that's uh, a good call. Dominion, that's a good call.
0: Um, Jurassic World is good. It's not fine. It's good. It is. It's good. It's good. I like it. What about you, Cam? I'm
1: probably a, a good. And again, kind of what Joel was saying. I might have a different answer if I took head longer. First one that comes to mind is Kick Ass Two, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that <laughs> sequel was <laughs> terrible. I love the first one. And it's just, I mean they didn't have uh, Matthew Vaughn back on yeah. the sequel, and um, it just felt Kick Ass Two felt like it was just almost a parody of the first one. Yeah. in and like a bad way, like it was trying to replicate it, but it was so bad at it. It took like all of the. It didn't take any of the good parts from the first Kick Ass, and bring them into the second one. And the first one was amazing. Um. So yeah, I'm probably going Kick Ass too.
0: That's a great choice as well. Yeah. Right. that first, the first Kick Ass is fantastic. So good. Um. I just had one.
2: I, it was just in my head. Why did I forget all of a sudden? um i would probably be that weird inside out 2 sequel they made <laughs> come on man <laughs> that was good i liked that oh it was i would good. watch that i'm glad someone picked animation and i'm i'm shocked oh. that it was you <laughs> i just remembered i would pick animation now this might be cheating but
0: it came out after the original one so i'm gonna pick it monsters university
2: hmm. what well,
0: that's a yeah that's a weird call why because i would rather see a different take on a sequel if they were gonna do one
2: okay i do I mean, like fair that... That's fair I don't think it's a bad movie
0: I didn't say it was bad it's just what I would I would if I could get rid of I that one and, know, then a, and then make it and then make a different sequel I would rather that
2: that's fair yeah that's as my long as you as long as you're not telling me you think it's bad
0: no I think it's like I think it's like <clears throat> lower tier Pixar but I think it's still good like lower tier Pixar still has good films.
2: It's not like lower tier DreamWorks.
0: <laughs> no, we don't talk about lower tier DreamWorks. We don't venture there.
2: I can't wait to watch ants.
1: I can't God, believe he's... Noah Bombach wrote Madagascar three.
2: <laughs> all right.
0: Uh, Cameron, are we um? Are we um, all good? Are we done? Well,
1: do do you all have anything extra you want to add about sequels? This is kind of our sequel episode, you know.
0: I like them. I like sequels.
2: Yeah, I think I, they should have called Finding Dory, uh, Finding oh Nemo, the sequel S E A. That's another yeah. one that shouldn't have happened. Point. There's oh. so many
0: sequels that probably shouldn't have happened.
2: Um, Sandlot two,
0: Sandlot uh, three, all the Home Alones after two,
2: <laughs> all the Avengers movies after uh, after a uh, long weekend of Ultron.
0: How dare you? <laughs> that is so out of pocket. How dare you? Just because we sh- you shit on your favorite franchise doesn't mean you get to take mine down <laughs> with it.
2: Day someone at work. You know how out of pocket means like kind of crazy? Yeah. Well, this guy didn't know that that's what it meant. He thought it meant like unavailable. <laughs> so he's like, "Oh no. Hey, I've got a few meetings today, so I'm going to be out of pocket all day long." <laughs> 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 and everybody's like, "What?" It's like sir, what are you talking about?
1: It's so funny when people try to use slang slang.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Uh, okay. But no,
2: I don't have anything more about sequels. Um, yeah, no,
0: this was fun, Cameron. I enjoyed this. Yeah, solid yeah, solid glad. choice.
1: I'm good. Well, who knows? Um, Maybe
0: we'll talk about sequels some other time down the road. Maybe we'll have some more sequels on our show. We'll have a, we'll have a
2: sequel about our sequel episode? Yeah. Maybe. It could happen. To seek to wolf. Um
1: do either of you want to talk about... I don't even know where our next episode is. I can
2: talk so about next week. Next week is something we've been wanting to do for a long time. Next week is something I think unanimously we, we think is going to be big. We think it's going to be a hit. Next week is probably going to be one of our most fun episodes next week is so yeah we can't wait i think it's going to be a lot of fun and we're excited i mean what do you guys think i i've been i've been waiting for this for a while so
0: yeah i think it'll be great i got to say the way you set that up it made me think you were going one way and then you pivoted a different way got me very excited
2: yeah, I know you like that. I did very much.
1: Oh yeah, you like that. <laughs> you like that. You like that.
2: <laughs> um, all right, Cameron, why don't you uh, why don't you take us out?
1: All right, folks, thank you so much for vi- li- li- visiting. <laughs> 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 I almost said thank you for visiting. <laughs> uh, it's okay. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the I'd Like a Refund podcast. You know where to check us out if you listen to the podcast. You definitely know our socials, Instagram, maybe a little bit of Twitter. Um, Definitely Spotify, Anchor, Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts, we are there. Um, Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next time.
2: Pop, pop.